0: Something okay now, I can go forward today. We are going to be uh, in the Gospel of John, the fourth book of the New Testament Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. Guess what? He is risen. I heard you, He is risen indeed. Let's do that again. He is risen. He He's is risen, risen indeed. In Praise God. He is risen indeed. So in this season of Lent, after weeks of somber reflection, after witnessing in Scripture again the brutal crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, after grieving His body that was laid in the tomb, something happens. Something that brings about the jubilant cries like we just read in Psalm 150 praise the lord in every possible way with every instrument imaginable you know what that means church that means more cowbell (coughs) praise the lord let everything that has breath praise the lord and so for those of you who, who got that reference that's um from a Saturday Night Live routine from back in the day that's one of the most loved and adored of all Saturday Night Live routines, more cowbell. So if you're a more cowbell kind of worshiper, you can praise the Lord today. Praise the Lord in every possible way. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We rejoice as we raise up again at the end of this season of Lent and the joy and jubilation of the day of remembrance of the resurrection the hallelujahs that have been silent for weeks we rejoice in the breaking of fast we rejoice in great celebration because he is risen, he is risen indeed I want to read to you from the gospel of John chapter 20 beginning of verse 19 on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. And Jesus came and stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. I I want you to embrace this scripture passage. I want to put yourself there. Imagine if you were there behind the locked doors in the room and Jesus appears. What would it be like? Um, you know, he shows him his, he shows him his hands and, and the side where he's been pierced. And uh it says the disciples were overjoyed. Do you, do you ever wonder? You know? Yes. Look at the holes in his hand. Yes. Oh my gosh, look at that hole in the side of his chest. Yes, I'm overjoyed. Do you, do you ever like? Think what it was like to be there when he breathed the Holy Spirit on them. I mean, you know, he had a rough night and day before hanging on the cross until he was dead. And then he's in a grave, you know, and on the third day he rose again and then he breathes on them. Um, He's breathing the Holy Spirit, but did they ever think like maybe he needed mouthwash or something? And and I'm cracking jokes here because I'm in a joyful happy mood today, and, and I know those comments are silly, I know that, but put yourself there. Imagine what it was like to see him nailed to a cross until dead and taken away and thrown in a tomb that was then guarded by Roman soldiers. Then you're locked away in fear, and then all of a sudden he's in the room with you, alive, very much alive. He shows the signs of crucifixion on his body but he's so high, and he comes to be for you. Imagine how intense the range of emotions must have been for those followers of Jesus that day walked behind the door in that room. In the midst of our jubilation, in the midst of celebration and song, in the midst of our great rejoicing, we often forget the confusion of that first easter i mean i can't imagine the emotional roller coaster that they rode that day in those moments the women were there at the tomb early in the morning so remember that the women went first to see so praise the lord for the women who are like the toughest woman in alaska the toughest person in Alaska. The women were there at the tomb early in the morning and they witnessed the miracle firsthand. They saw, they talked, an angel talked to them, and said, come and take a look. And they saw that he wasn't there. But there were others, later in the day, afraid, locked in a room, with their hopes, dashed. And their rejoicing silenced. Wondering what was to become of them. Having thoughts like, were they fools for following this man they thought was the Messiah, the Savior? Was he just the first of all of them to come to a brutal end at the hands of Roman leaders? Those men in that room that day, they're wanted men now. They're wanted by political leaders for their association with that rabble-rouser, Jesus. They're wanted by religious leaders for their blasphemy. They had just watched their friend and their leader, their Messiah, their Savior, die. There was no denying it. They saw the wounds. They saw the bruises. They heard the cries, and they watched as the spear pierced his side and the liquid flowed out of his chest cavity. They knew he was in a tomb somewhere, only it was probably too dangerous for them to visit. While Easter morning gets all the press, here they are, that first Easter evening, afraid and hopeless, when suddenly they witness the miracle of all miracles as they see with their own eyes that he is risen indeed on a day filled with rejoicing with hallelujahs and praise and rightfully so I wonder how many of us are still sitting locked in places of hopelessness instead of embracing the risen Christ standing before us are we? are we embracing the peace Jesus offers us? Just like he offered to the first disciples? Or are we still sitting in our confusion at what happened in days past? And they had reasons. The disciples had a reason to be locked in a room afraid. Jesus was put on trial by both the political leaders of the day and the Jewish religious leaders. We know from the Gospel of Luke chapter 23 that Pontius Pilate was the Roman governor of Judea at the time. The law at the time declared that Caesar is Lord. So Jesus' claim of being Lord was in opposition to the Roman law. Jesus would have been viewed by many as a political enemy, potentially an insurrectionist, building up a rebellion against Rome. And also from the Gospel of Luke chapter 23, Herod was the Jewish king of Judea. Though Herod was in the pocket of the Roman Empire, he was considered the ruler over the Jews. Jesus would have also been seen as a threat to Herod's throne with his claim to be king of the Jews. That was Herod's title. And from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, we know Caiaphas was the chief priest. Caiaphas was part of the plot against Jesus. Jesus would have been viewed as a blasphemer because of his claims to be the Messiah. And because of his breaking man-made religious laws like no healing on the Sabbath. Jesus encouraging others to reinterpret the law could also be a challenge for religious leaders like Caiaphas. So, as followers of Jesus, the disciples were also in danger. They were seen as guilty of the same political issues. There's a great likelihood they were viewed as plotting a rebellion. They were also seen as guilty of the same religious issues. Claiming that Jesus was the Messiah the Savior meant they were considered guilty of blasphemy too. The lives of the disciples hung in the balance now. They were guilty by association with Jesus Christ. This could be why Peter lied about his relationship with Jesus in the courtyard outside when Jesus was being tried indoors before he was crucified. This is likely while they were locked together in a room behind a door. They have reasons. You know what? We have reasons too. Our reasons to live in fear are also sometimes valid. We've been hurt by others. We've been hurt by circumstances. Sometimes those others that we're hurt by are unmet expectations, things not turning out the way we thought they would or they should. Sometimes those hurts are from churches. We've been hurt at times by those who should have loved and cared for us the most. Sometimes we're hurt by tragedy. We also know that following Jesus is sometimes difficult, as it was for the disciples when he was on earth. People today misunderstand us. And we sometimes stand in opposition to the political powers of our time. An example of this would be the civil rights movement. We stand up against oppression and the ways the powerful oppress the weak. We know that in many countries and places, saying Jesus is Lord is punishable by death, much like it was for Jesus and his followers. We sometimes stand in opposition to the religious leaders of our time. Just like the religious leaders of Jesus' day, religious leaders today sometimes get things wrong. When religious leaders are pushing legalism over love and grace, we can find ourselves fearing repercussions for speaking out for love. When cultural leaders are advocating for ideas that are expressly contrary to God's word, the Bible, we can find ourselves fearing repercussions for speaking up for God's truth. There are some states where the governors have declared that abortion clinics are essential medical services, and so the workers can still go to work, the people can come, the babies can still be aborted, but the people who stand out on the sidewalk observing social distancing rules, not standing close to each other, not getting close to the the people that are going in and out of the facility, they're getting arrested, even though they complied with every order. So there are repercussions in today's day and age for not conforming to some political leadership. If we allow these fears to overcome us, we can also be locked in rooms, as it were, of fear and confusion. We can feel alone and hopeless. We can be left wondering where God is in the midst of these hardships and trials. I want you to know something today. We celebrate today Because Jesus met them in their fear. Jesus stands in the room among them. He doesn't admonish the disciples for their lack of faith, but he meets them right there in their fear. Jesus appears in a locked room. Now, this could say a lot about resurrected bodies, but the intent of the passage seems to be that Jesus chooses to appear among them where they are. Jesus could have waited for them to come and find him, or he could have stood outside waiting for them to leave the room. In the midst of their fear, he chose to be present in their midst. He chose to go to them in the midst of their fear. Please hang on to that. The first words Jesus says are not words of correction. They're words of peace. See what he says? Peace be with you. The first words the resurrected Christ speaks to his disciples. Peace be with you. This isn't the first time Jesus speaks peace. He commanded the winds and the waves to be at peace. We see a message of do not fear and peace throughout Jesus' birth narrative. Uh, And that's another passage that that cracks me up. The shepherds were out in the field at night watching their flocks, right? Everything's good, everything's quiet. The sheep are bedded down for the night. The stars are shining. It's a beautiful, calm night. And then an angel, and then angels start singing and Speaking to them from the sky. Do not be afraid is what they say. Of course you're afraid when you're out in the boonies all by yourself and then all of a sudden beings are floating in the air talking to you. Ah! Do not be afraid. Peace be with you has been with the followers of Jesus ever since the recollection of his birth on earth. Peace is part of what Jesus brought about through his death and resurrection. Um, one of my favorite questions to ask is What do you think God thinks when he thinks of you? What do you think God thinks when he thinks of you? You know what? He loves you, He's for you. Right in the middle of their circumstances, right in the middle of your circumstances, Jesus is there and He is saying to you, Peace be with you. He said, Look what I've done. I did this for you. I love you. I'm for you. Peace be with you. That's where Jesus starts with us. It was obvious to Jesus that the disciples that day were doubtful, confused, and afraid. And he declared peace over them. Jesus says, Peace be with you. Not once. But twice, there's an emphasis on the peace that Jesus seeks to bring them. There's an emphasis on the peace that Jesus seeks to bring to you. But Jesus also declares that as the Father has sent him, he is now sending them into the world. You know, the world has been a scary place for the disciples. And Jesus is declaring that they are to be sent into the world in peace. And in power. They don't need to live in fear and confusion, but can leave the locked confines of security to do the work Christ is sending them to do. And and if you're locked away by some fear in your life, fear of a relationship, fear because of a relationship, fear to get out of a relationship, fear over things that have happened in the past, listen, you don't have to stay there. Jesus is with you. He says, peace be with you. He breathes the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God on you. And he has a mission for you. He has an intent and a purpose for your life, to leave the confines of your confusion and your fear, and to enter into the world in Jesus' name, with Jesus' presence, in Jesus' power, to serve others, to reveal the good news that Jesus saves to them. We don't have to live in fear and confusion. When we don't go out alone, the peace of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit goes with us. The resurrection emboldens the disciples to continue the work of the Lord. They're overjoyed at seeing Jesus. They're renewed now in their mission and purpose. They still have a choice, though. We still have a choice. To be sent into the world? Or to stay in the room? We know they chose to leave the security, to pick up their crosses and go into the world even though the world would hate them. They would love the world in Jesus' name. They would love the world like Jesus loves the world. So, Jesus met with them. Jesus meets us. Jesus meets us In the midst of our fear and doubt and confusion, just like he met with them. One of the great hopes of the resurrection is that we do not walk alone. Oh, would you hang on to that today? There's your takeaway. Jesus loves you. Jesus is for you. We do not walk alone. Christ walks with us in our grief, in our pain, in our suffering. This is one of the great messages of the cross. We do not suffer alone. Jesus meets us where we are. He comes to us. Jesus is not standing on the outside looking in or waiting for us to come to him. He shows up in the midst of the mess. He's just waiting. For us to embrace Him. Despite our fear and doubt and confusion we are called and empowered by Jesus to do great things. Jesus speaks peace over us as well. He desires us to find peace in our hearts and to be peacemakers in our homes and in our world. Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit the very presence of God to cleanse us inside, to reveal truth to us inside, to empower us inside, to live out in the world his plan for our lives and empowers us to boldly enter into places and situations to see them transformed as well. We are called to give a message of forgiveness and to share forgiveness with others. We have a choice to continue to live in fear and confusion or to lead them in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean the path will be easy, it wasn't for the disciples. We will still face hardships. Speaking truth to power leaves the hardship. Doing the right thing in a world that applauds the wrong can lead to hardship. We, however, do not fear the hardships in the same way the world does, because we know we have one who walks with us. We ultimately know the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. Even if the worst, which is death, happens to us, we will rise again in the same power that Jesus was raised. That's our promise. Today is Resurrection Day. It's Resurrection Sunday. Some of us gather today in celebration, singing all the hallelujahs, playing all the instruments We come with rejoicing, with praise, with joy in our hearts and on our lips. But we know that's not the whole story. We know that some of us are still living in a locked room. Confused, afraid, without hope. The message of resurrection is for you too. Hear me? The message of the resurrection is for you too. Jesus does not reject you for your fear, your hopelessness, or your confusion. Instead, he draws close. In the words of peace, he speaks over you. He longs to give you the power of the Holy Spirit and to send you to join him in his redeeming work in the world. So, today, Resurrection Sunday, let's leave whatever locked rooms we need to leave and truly learn to live in the hope of resurrection. I want us to sing again one final song.